Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 644 of the Milk Bar. Jason Fry's here with you as ever, and slightly different this week, in as much as we weren't all having a chat on a Sunday morning, which is when we usually record. Everyone was unavailable on Sunday morning, so what we did was I went to the zoo, Dudley Zoo, had a great time over there, and the Black Country Museum, thanks to the National Lottery Days out, that was jolly good fun. And in the meantime, uh, I've been spending the week catching up with loads of people about lots of great things. Peter Chand lets us know about a brilliant, spooky storytelling event coming up at the New Hampton Arts Centre on Halloween. You can find out what happened when I had a chat with Dave Hill, all about Slade's gig, which is in Birmingham in December. Also on top of that, Dr Dawn Harper will be along to let us know all about the vaccination programmes for both the flu and the COVID booster jabs available to the over 50s and the vulnerable. Finding out from her what's going on there. And also talking health, uh, Paula Radcliffe, MBE, is along as we're finding out about Indie Health Week, which is going to be looking at the way in which independent health stores are helping people when it comes to their supplements and the like. And that's something that uh, Paula used when she was doing her training in the early days. On top of that, we'll be finding out about how we apparently lose up to 700 hours sleep a year. And there's maybe a way around that one, so we'll be catching up on that one too. And we're talking mixology as well, and finding out how we recycle aluminium cans. That's all on the way on the show this week. Peter Chand is a very busy man, telling stories tall and short and everywhere in between. And he joins me now to let me know about a rather interesting forthcoming event. Hello, sir. Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm good, and I hope we're finding you not too bad because you're currently all wrapped up with a bit of a cold. Yeah, yeah, I've been I've been in uh, three schools and a community event this week so far, and I've picked up a bug from one of the from from well from, from somebody in the audience. So I mean, it's been... not the nasty thing you've tested tested for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been testing for that regularly while I've been on the road. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's a common cold, Jason. So yeah. Oh, no. uh, there is nothing oh. common about you, sir. But however, <laughs> we've kind. got some, we've got some good events coming up. Tell me what's happening. Well, we've got something coming up at the on the thirty first of October at the New Hampton Arts Centre, who've been really brilliant in supporting a new venture called Story Bazaar. Mm-hmm. Um, and the idea we've been talking sort of for a couple of years. The idea is to bring world-class storytelling to Wolverhampton, and I introduce a different storyteller sort of um, for each session. And a few months ago, we had the brilliant storyteller Jan Blake, who's uh, from Jamaican uh, background. And in mm-hmm. October, the end of this month, it's a great storyteller called Kate Corkery, who's an Irish storyteller, Jason. And obviously, it's the 31st of October, so it's going to be Supernatural Stories for Adults. And it's called uh, Halloween Disturbia. We're really looking forward to it. So it'll be stories from the Irish tradition, the Indian tradition, but also from other parts of the world as well. So if you're an adult who likes scary stories, who likes to be disturbed and freaked out, it's a great place to be on Halloween night in the heart of Wolverhampton. Yeah, so I mean, Halloween itself uh, is is very much a, a sort of a kind of Christian festival in some ways because it's it's all at least the opposite of one because it's before All Saints Day in the Christian calendar. How does that work within the uh, the Indian culture? That uh, uh, is there an equivalent uh, there too? That's a good question. There's not there's not Halloween 
particularly an equivalent to it, but there's there's the god of death. There's lots of other sort of rituals around around these kind of things as well. There's a lot of stories, superstitions, and lots of supernatural stories as well, Jason. Like you've got these beautiful trees behind you there. I mean, that's in India. It's 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 a common belief that sort of uh, spirits inhabit trees. So they say you shouldn't pass a tree late at night. Uh, you don't hang around strange and peculiar trees in the evening because you're likely mm. to encounter a spirit a ghost a witch or something like that so there's lots of folk uh, folklore and a heck of a lot of supernatural stories about ghosts and the supernatural in india without a shadow of a doubt and it's global isn't it, it all, all different aspects of, of, of religion and culture have got their ghost stories and tales which get told sometimes to make sure they keep their kids in control with a little bit of a scary tale to uh, to keep them there but also to, to, i think we enjoy being a little bit scared about the, what is essentially the unknown yeah 100 percent. it's uh i was watching uh, some of the, the the bbc archives the other day on iplayer and there's a great interview jason with uh with uh, alfred hitchcock and mm. it was in the 60s and they're talking to him because he'd be making films then for about 30 odd years or something. And they said, oh, Mr. Hitchcockers, do you think what scares people has changed in these modern days, you know, in the 19th <laughs> swing in 60s? And he said a really interesting thing, which I totally agree with. He says, you've got to understand, he says, fears and the fear of the unknown, particularly, he says it all begins with childhood. He says it all begins with little red riding hood. <laughs> and he's completely right. And that's what it is, no matter which culture you're from. It's no accident that most stories from around the world, or a great deal of them, have a deep, dark forest, Jason. You know, people understand the meaning of uh, the metaphor of what a deep, dark forest is, what's around the corner, what's waiting for us, what's in the shadows. That will not change no matter what happens or from which part of the world you come from. You know, there's always that... But like you said, the fear of the unknown is is a powerful and palpable force indeed for all of us, I think. And I think we, we enjoy that even more these days because, we, yes, there is the unknown, but we've got some science to back things up. So there are some things, yes, to be a little bit afraid of, but equally a lot of it, we can enjoy being a bit scared, but know that the, you know, the big safe world is out there to take us away from it all too. Yeah, there is that as well. But there's there's also, I think, especially in the context of telling scary stories, when I tell a jump story, whether it's with kids or with adults, I mean, I did one yesterday in the school I was at, the Cotswolds, one of my favourite schools, a regular school, and it was, the, it was the older kids, and they jumped. And the first thing they do is they, they jump and they scream or they go, ah, it doesn't matter what age they are. And the second thing that, without a doubt, wherever you are in the world, with whatever age, the second thing you do is you laugh, mm -hmm. yeah, because it's the relief and the release of, you know what, we're still here, we got through this together. And that's why we've been telling stories, especially dark stories to each other since since we were first able to, because it's a collective thing at the end of it, you know, we're still here, we made it through the other side. So that's a very, very important sort of aspect of telling uh, scary stories in particular, that we're in it together, we faced it together, we came through the other side together, and you know what, we laughed at our own fears and that that is there's a lot to be said for that i think yeah and people do absolutely adore horror movies and as they run up to halloween there'll be an awful lot of uh, conversation uh, around that sort of thing as well so you know it, it will be uh, great to have these told by real people too and, and in a real environment 
That's right. Yeah. And and also, as, as you know, Jason, because we've talked, we've spoken many, many times, these stories are all told from memory. They're never told twice in the same way. And so the skill of the storyteller is that is, is bringing a story to life in thin air without any props, without anything. And Kate, I'm really very proud to be bringing her to Wolverhampton, Kate Corkery, because I've seen her many, many times. I've, I've seen her at our festival that we help organize. I saw her in Norway once telling an Irish story in Oslo that scared the life out of the audience <laughs> just by the gestures and the way she did it. Jason, she's incredibly talented. And that mixture of the Irish and the Indian supernatural story should be, should be something quite special, I'm hoping. So I'm urging all our Wolverhampton people, local people to come and join us at the New Hampton. It's going to be an intimate Cozy little gig, if cozy's the right word. <laughs> I don't uh, think no, no, cozy's <laughs> definitely not it. But at least there'll be someone there, there with maybe shoulders to cry, and if you do get a little too scared. Exactly, yeah. You can fetch your comfort blanket with you, but you know it's aimed at fourteen plus, so it's all adults together being scared and sharing the collective fear of the dark, and also coming out the other end hopefully. And this is the scariest bit. I mean, we see films with all sorts of different certificates on them, but based on how scary the graphic images are, what you create in your own mind can be even scarier than anything that could ever go on a screen, however good the special effects are. Yeah, 100%. There's a great documentary. Once again, it was on iPlayer called Fear Itself. And uh, and it was based on sort of the all the horror film tropes over the years, you know? Mm -hmm. And there's a, and it's brilliant, a really great documentary. It was fa fascinating, uh, the nature of editing music, all that kind of stuff in horror films. Yeah. And they, they said one thing in there, and he said something like, you know, when you see something disturbing in a film, just for a flash. And he says, sometimes when your brain is only given so much information, it conjures up the worst kind of thing that it can. And that's exactly <laughs> what you're talking about, I think. It's like, it's that same thing, isn't it? When you can't see what's in the shadows or the darkness, that's when you imagine the worst of your nightmares and monsters. And, and that's, for a storyteller, that's the best place you want your audience to be. Absolutely. So to get Sleepless Nights, uh, where do we go to? How do we find out about the gig? And, and how do we book tickets? And what's it cost? It's dead simple. It's, it's, it's I think they're, they're eight quid a ticket for adults. And it's basically going to the New Hampton Art Centre, uh, their website, and from there, just go onto the Watson page and you'll see uh, Halloween Disturbia and you'll see my mug there with a drum in my hand and just click that link and you can get tickets. And like I said, it's not going to be a massive venue. It's quite, it's quite intimate. So, you know, get your tickets before they run out and we'd love to see you for a different kind of Halloween night. There won't be anything orange and black anywhere in sight you know but there'll be lots <laughs> of great ghost stories and lots of spookies goings on so we look forward to welcoming you so yeah it's going to be an absolutely amazing night with the sound of things i know you that your storytelling skills are amazing as are those of your colleagues so anybody you select is going to be absolutely brilliant we know that much peter always good to speak to you i look forward to uh, the next event uh, and we shall talk again soon but meanwhile make sure you can uh, yeah, let some people at least sleep a little bit at night after <laughs> the uh, the big event on halloween well do. Thanks ever so much, Jason. All the best. The inaugural Indie Health Week has launched, and it's all about ways of getting healthier using some of the great supplements and the like that are out there. Paula Radcliffe is here to tell me more. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Yeah, it's all about really just appreciating, isn't it, the independent health stores and what they do for the community. They do, and uh, it is very easy to miss bits out of our diet. And with the help of uh, the likes of supplements and the other advice that we can get from our independent health stores, uh, we really can start to, to feel better and get on with so much more. 
Yeah, I think that's the, the key thing is that um, this research that was powered by Viridian has shown that a lot of people will just go out and do a little bit of research online and maybe don't understand and appreciate the value and the services that independent health stores offer in terms of, of giving us that, that great advice, trustworthy advice on, on how we can make those changes to our diet, to our lifestyle, um, to our sleep, and just to generally start feeling better. Uh, it's a great place to go in and check out different types of foods as well as the supplement side of it as well, but in a form that we can harness the supplements in a natural form that our body can utilize to the full extent and it's not kind of just wasting money. Because mm, it, it is all about making sure we are in the best condition we can be for our life and our lifestyle. I mean, three marathon wins. Uh, obviously, that requires a little more fuel than uh, your average person on the street. But I mean, the way our bodies change over the years, there are supplements that could help your joints, particularly as you maybe turn 50 and the like. Absolutely. I think as we get older, um, our bodies need a little bit more support, need a little bit more time to recover from the training and from the sport that we do. And our immune systems maybe need a little bit more support as well. And some of those changes can be made by making those small changes in diet, by finding out maybe slight things that, that work better for us as we, as we get older and as we change different types of foods that we need to concentrate on and maybe ones that we could have a lot more when we were younger that we have a little bit less as we get older. Um, and in the same way, yeah, certain supplements can just support better through the male and female menopause, but also just helping joint health, uh, which is what we all want to do, stay healthy and stay fit as we get older. Yeah, keep everything working and moving the way it should do, particularly if you've been wearing it out as well. But uh, <laughs> it's, it is always good to talk to somebody as well and find out hey, what is best for you, because it could be you have a, an, an oily fish rich diet already. So maybe you don't need to think about omega three or six or nine, but other exactly. people will. And there are various vitamins that we often miss out on things like, uh, I mean, K, is it K2 and D3, aren't they? There's, those are the ones we have to look out for. And they can be vitally important when it comes to heart health. And unless you eat, an amount of spinach each month. It is sometimes difficult to get all these things into your system. Yeah, absolutely. And I think now as well, there is all of the evidence that shows that vitamin D can really help boost immune system and help fight against COVID as well. So I think knowing which form is the best form for you and how to get it into your body, because vitamin B is not, D is not an easy vitamin to, to absorb and to, to find in the diet either. Um, and through the winter months in particular, when we can't get that important absorption from sunshine, uh, it's important so that we supplement as much as possible. And we're getting it in the way in which we want it because D2 is available, I think, in vegan form, D3 less so. Is that the right way around? I'm not sure. You might have to go into your independent health store to find we, that out. We need to go and I'm check, don't we? We know who to ask. But I mean, even things like uh, yeah, so, some of the other uh, things that are in our diet, some of the, the B vitamins as well, they, again, can be sometimes difficult to source through foods. And particularly if you're on a, uh, a vegetarian or vegan diet and uh, you, you you want to make sure that you're getting the, the right mix and balance. And equally, I think meat eaters probably are worse because I don't need enough fruit and vegetables. So, you know, you need to be thinking about what you are taking in. Exactly. And it's about finding the balance. And I think a lot of people are trying out different diets uh, and changing, revamping, going more plant-based, going more vegan. Um, but at the same time, you do need to make sure that you're getting all of those nutrients in. And as you said, you don't need to get complacent either. If you haven't changed your diet, you still might be missing out on important vitamins and minerals and nutrients in your diet. And, and until you were, we were getting a lot of attention from your uh, your physios and therapists and uh, all the team that work behind the scenes making an athlete work, uh, you, you, I mean, you used your independent store to get you up and running, didn't you? 
I did absolutely when I went away to university uh, way 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 back in 1992. Um, I struggled um, to I guess keep my health supported while I was trying to manage training at a high level, competing at a high level, studying and student life. Um, I was living in halls of residence. I wasn't able to take control of my own meals. Um, so I went into the local um, health store and got their advice on how to, to support that in the best possible way. And then I also moved out so I could cook my own meals too. Yeah, and uh, say so doing that, but also say working alongside things. And there's, there's lots of stuff that we don't get in our diet. So again, we're talking about joint health as well. There are things which we don't absorb as well as we do as we get older. Um, so it, it's it, you know we maybe need more of things in our diets than we would normally get from what would ordinarily be a healthy, balanced meal. Yeah, absolutely. And also um, because of the soil poverty and changes that are going on in the environment and everything that we need to do to protect the environment there the nutrients just aren't in our diet as much as they used to be in the foods that we're buying so it is kind of looking and getting that advice on a how can we do a bit more to protect the environment but b how can we add those nutrients that are now sadly missing from our diets well, Viridian Nutrition are uh, working uh, to bring Indie Health Week to the fore so where do we go for more information? You can go to www.indiehealthweek.com and there you can find out all about your Viridian Nutrition Foundations of Nutrition Pack that's freely available. And what have you got going on at the moment? Anything exciting we need to know about? Um, just really, I guess, like most parents trying to manage through as far as half term and then start thinking about Christmas. And I'm also planning to, to go out and take part in an equator run out in Kenya. And we're going to be funding the first children's um cancer hospital in sub-saharan africa well obviously there's some great work there and make sure you get your electrolytes pop down your indie health store and take do. some with you <laughs> i already have some they gave me some last week that sounds like a plan paula Redcliffe. love you speaking to you thank you for joining us thank you Finally, a quarter of Brits are acknowledging that mixology is an absolute skill. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Norman Lett, the can makers, and Cameron Atfield, world-class bartender, and uh, recently bartender of the year. Good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. Thanks Good for having afternoon. me. So, uh, I mean, we, we're talking about people having some amazing skills. Cameron, I know your customers, in particular at your new bar that you've set up, are going to be loving your skills when it comes to preparing a drink. And it, it is about part of the entertainment uh, of making the drink at the same time as enjoying the, the fruits of your labours. Absolutely. I think I think that's one of the key elements when going in sort of into a bar. And uh, it's kind of, it's not necessarily just about the drink. It's about the atmosphere, the music, I mean, having a lot of entertainment. Um, and that's what we see always, people sitting on the bar and enjoying it and watching essentially what goes into it we're seeing a lot more especially from the guests and consumers a lot more sort of interaction and interest in what actually goes into the drinks who knows which one should be shaken and stirred i i, I assume that you have a great understanding of that <laughs> well i'd like to think so yeah hopefully but i mean especially i mean if i look back now at the beginning it was i was very kind of unsteady unsteady leg sorry and it's just the more you kind of look into it the more you learn and the more you research essentially but yeah to, to your average consumer i mean it, it can seem very very daunting yeah, particularly when it comes to knowing what the, the, the right measures to put in there are. And uh, there's, there's those who remember gills as the, uh, the unit of measure, but actually it's all been 25 mil since about the 90s. So, you know, it, it is confusing when it comes to getting those drinks tasting right. It is, it is. And, and one of the key elements to sort of, you know, having a good drink or having a good meal or having any good flavours essentially is balance. And yeah, if you look, it's sort of, one in four people don't know sort of measurements and get sort of most of the classics wrong as well. And essentially it's having that sort of balance that leads to that great quality drink. 
And now, Norman, uh, the can makers have done this research, and it really is showing that people appreciate uh, a good drink, and it is making sure that you, you don't go over the top with the number of them, but you get the quality when you actually want to enjoy something. Yeah, I think that's the key thing here. I mean, um, I don't think many people in the canning industry would say that we actually manufacture a beverage of better quality than Cameron. But what we actually allow you to do is enjoy a really good quality beverage wherever and whenever you wish. And, you know, it's consumption occasions, which is the real thing. So if you're in the park, if you're on the beach, wherever you are, even in the garden, you can enjoy a really good quality cocktail. Uh, and you can... You can reflect back there when you sat in the sunshine and reflect back at how well Cameron made it, which got you into the beverage in the first place. And then you can think, yeah, this is not bad. Yeah, Life's, uh, life gets a little easier and a little better with something like that, isn't it? Because yeah, when we try and do these things at home, we, we often get it wrong. Uh, and again, Cameron, which sort of drinks have you had people come to you and say, oh, I'd love one of these, but actually that's so much better than I could ever make it myself. Well, I mean, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head there. It's because it's, it's again, about that sort of education and not understanding what measurements go in. And I mean, you know, uh, despite sort of being in the industry for sort of 10, 15 years, I mean, there's definitely approachable drinks that anyone can kind of learn to make at home. But it's about having the access to that information and then having the plethora of, you know, it's very easy in a bar when you've got 100, 200, 300 bottles on, the, on, on your back bar and someone's juiced your, your juice for you, et cetera. So I think we're very lucky in the bar industry because we mm -hmm. have all of the tools we need. And I think that's why it's always sort of harder to make it uh, balanced at home. But um, yeah, I'd like to think sort of the, the quality of drinks in the bar is, is, is you know, is it all about sort of the setting, et cetera, is made fresh right in front of you as well. But I mean, yeah, I think the best thing about cans is you get that same quality and consistency because a lot of these recipes and a lot of the canned cocktails have been helped develop by people in the industry as well. So I think the, the, the closest thing you can get to good cocktails at home is sort of having them in cans. But yeah, essentially... Um, you know, without trying to plug myself, I think that, yeah, I can make some great drinks. <laughs> yeah, go out, enjoy Cameron's drinks. We'll talk about where you're going. Yeah. We fancied a bit of uh, tourism for this sort of thing a bit later on. But, uh, so if you are going to enjoy at home, uh, so just people are, are sitting back in the garden, they're chilling out, and then it's about getting the, the right drink for the right occasion. I mean, you can definitely, uh, you know, there's a plethora of drinks out there. You're seeing uh, more and more in, in, in supermarkets. The variety is great. And like you said, it's just matching that drink to the occasion. And uh, Norman, what uh, is happening? Where are people drinking these drinks? So I think the survey gave us a few clues on that too, didn't it? Yeah, well, I, I, I think that's an important thing. And um, certainly from a can maker's perspective, um, you know, when people do enjoy a, um, a can or a, any type of beverage on the beach or in the, in the park or, or even at home, I think one of the most important things is these days is that they know how to recycle these products and that we can actually get them back. And that's one of the things that really interests us can makers. We're really keen to get them back. We're recycling about 82% of all beverage cans last year. Our target is 100%. We need people's helps. We've got lots of different websites to encourage this type of behavior. Uh, and really the can aluminium is a fantastic mechanism for delivering these products. We can recycle it again and again and again without loss of quality. And we can do that in 60 days. You, you can give us a can tomorrow, and in 60 days' time, you go back on the shelf and you can buy the same thing again. It's a fantastic process. No loss of quality. So it, it really is a great material for uh, to accompany a great beverage. Absolutely. So uh, where can we go for more information on uh, the work that you do at the Can Makers? Well, the work that we do at the Can Makers, we actually have our own website. So look up Can Makers. And if you want some more environmental information in terms of how to recycle your cans, 
and, and the whole process around recycling cans, then we've got every can counts, or you could even go onto the Trade Association website, Alupro, A-L-U-P-R-O. So enjoy uh, a drink and a sensible way. Obviously, always checking what the local guidelines are if you want to drink in the park, as it will not be allowed in some areas. And uh, uh, we don't want stealth cans out there either. Thank you very much. Uh, well, so you can have alcohol-free beverages. Oh, absolutely. They, yeah. they come in a can as well. They know, do. Some so. wonderful things in cans that we can enjoy. Uh, but Cameron, uh, you also recycle your glasses by washing them after people have used them. So where can we go to be environmentally friendly and enjoy a drink with you? Um, so exactly so I mean I'm actually in the process of currently opening a new place so it's a very sort of sustainable led uh, you know zero waste flavour focused uh, bar we're going to be opening out in Richmond uh, in London the bar is going to be called Chalk if you're down there come come for a drink and come say hello and try some tasty beverages and um, yeah there's there's always sort of you know like further websites for cocktail information or you can always follow me on Instagram Cameron Atfield. So basically, we can come and see a celebrity mixologist doing his thing in his own bar, bartender of the year 2019. This will be a treat. Well worth the journey. Uh, but uh, and, uh, make sure you offset any carbon you use by recycling your, your cans when you're drinking at home as well. I think that sounds like a, a, a very good way of doing it. For now, Cameron Atfield, bartender and mixologist, and also Norman Lett from the Can Makers. Thank you both for joining us. Thank you for Thank having you, me. Our high street pharmacies are joining the push to make sure that people are getting both their flu and their COVID-19 booster jabs. To tell us more, I'm joined now by Dr. Dawn Harper. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. So obviously it's vitally important that everybody who is eligible gets their free flu jab and their coronavirus COVID-19 vaccination booster. So many people have already taken up these things. The flu jab is open to more people than ever free of charge before. So that it's, it's, it's all good news on protecting ourselves. And it's really important that if you are offered either of these jabs that you take up that appointment. One of the things that we know about viruses is that once we the weather gets colder and we start moving indoors, they have a much greater ability to circulate and transmit. And that goes for both flu and coronavirus. And of course, as we are heading inside now, we have got this double whammy. Um, so we know that the uh, coronavirus vaccine is, let's be honest, has been effective at protecting us and allowing us to have more freedoms and get back to some semblance of normality. But we also know that that protection starts to wane off after about six months. So really important that we accept our booster vaccines. Um, and there'll be a number of ways. As soon as you're invited, you may be, may be able to book it in a uh, coronavirus vaccination centre. I had mine last weekend in our local cottage hospital. You may be able to go to a chemist and we have uh, Boots, Asda and Lloyd's, so there's big high street names who are getting behind this campaign. Or we are also running um, COVID and flu vaccination clinics in GP surgery. So there's plenty of opportunity to get that vaccine. Please do, um, as soon as you, as you get your appointment, phone, um, book that in. And if you haven't heard within a few weeks of your sort of six months deadline, so if you know that you had um, your second jab six months and a couple of weeks ago, then please do go uh, on, online or go to 119 and try to book your, your vaccine there. Because the more people we can get protected, the more obviously we look after ourselves, we look after our community and we also look after our NHS. 
Yeah, because I mean, this is a, a normal thing. We know each year for the variants that come out on the flu, we need a new flu vaccine, and, and that's uh, been standard. Not only have people had it free of charge in the past, uh, but also they've been paying for it themselves to ensure they're protected from that. And with coronavirus, in the same way as your anti-tetanus, it only lasts a certain amount of time initially, and uh, through the uh, the work that's been done to get this booster jab out there, for what is a, a very different novel type of vaccine that we've not seen before that protects us better in more interesting ways against variants than we could possibly have hoped for, really. I think the vaccine programme has been an absolute game changer. Um, we are so fortunate in the UK to have got ahead of the curve with our vaccination programme. Uh, we really need people to not to be complacent. I think that uh, there are some people I've spoken to who said, well, I've had to. Do I really need the booster? And the answer to that is yes, you really do. Uh, not just to protect yourself, but to protect those from around you. And also, the less we allow this virus to transmit, the less opportunities it has to mutate. So really important that you know this is the last surge. We don't know what will go, what will happen going forward, whether or not we will have to have subsequent boosters. That is very much still in the research and planning stage. But for now, we do know the benefits of this booster. So if I could make one plea, that would be please, when you get that invitation, make that appointment a priority. Absolutely. And to find a way, find a time. Employers are being very understanding on this. And this is at the moment being offered free of charge to uh, the over 50s and the vulnerable. So depending on where you fall into those groups, be grateful, get it done and make sure that you're looking after, as we say, not only yourself, but others, because we know there's a reduced transmission rate once you do have the uh, the vaccinations for, uh, for both uh, the flu and for uh, coronavirus, COVID-19. Thank you very much. Absolutely the message. And uh, so it's simple as that. And give us a recap on the details and where we do get in touch if we haven't been called, as you already said, about around six months and a couple of weeks after our last coronavirus COVID-19 vaccination. Yes. So you should receive a letter when you're due, either a letter or a text. Mine came as a text message from my surgery. And then you simply click on the link and you can book in your appointment. But if you haven't heard and you think you're eligible, you can either go online or you can dial 119 and make your appointment that way and uh, check out whether you are eligible to get this obviously for free and even if you're not eligible for a free flu vaccine if you can afford the small fee it is well worth doing isn't it absolutely so that the pharmacists are uh, very good at offering that flu vaccine if you are eligible on the nhs they will offer it to you for free if you are not although to be honest with you jason we have really expanded because of the, the difficulties we've had we've really expanded the people that are eligible on the nhs so we are giving the, the greatest number of offering the greatest number of flu vaccines and ever before. Um, so an awful lot of people will be eligible. Please do take up both of those vaccines. I just had to take a, a script next door to my pharmacist um, and there's a lady there very proudly telling me that she's had a jab in each arm. So good for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Go and get yourself sorted and make sure you protect yourself and others this winter. Dr. Dawn Harper, thank you again for joining us. Thank you very much. Slade are back on the road. They had planned to be out and about last year. Things didn't quite go to plan because of some global pandemic. However, it's never going to stop a band like Slade. Dave Hill joins me now to tell me more. Hello, sir. Hello, mate. Yes, well, it didn't didn't quite work out, but, you know, things do change, don't they? Yeah, but the, it wouldn't be the first time there'd been a, a rearranged date in your career based on the number of years you guys have been performing. But uh, it, it'd be great to have you back at the Birmingham Asylum in December. It will, it will, will, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, I mean, I miss, I miss, I miss playing 
like every other band is playing. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously things go according to plan, but I'm certainly looking forward to getting back in December. So it's going to be an awesome Christmas gig, Saturday the 18th of December, and uh, obviously yourself uh, leading the lineup. That's right, definitely. I mean, I'm looking. Look, well, I mean, I've already done a few shows already um, this year. I mean, obviously we had to wait until we could get back on the road. So I've had a feeling for it, but it's it, it it has it's not easy when you've been away from it so long, because all of a sudden you've been in this bubble. And I'm sure you have, mm -hmm. you know. Especially the entertainment world has been totally affected by theatres closing down and, and not being able to go abroad and all the normal places. Because I mean, I quite like the journey. You know, I don't mind getting on a plane and going somewhere because. By the time you get there, you, you know, the reward is playing live, isn't it? That's mm -hmm. that's what you... A musician travels, he doesn't sit at home doing nothing. So I think really because I was I was at home, I had to find other things to do, which I most certainly did do, to actually find other ways of coping. Because I've never been out of work ever since I was 15. I've always had a job or the, in the band. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, I turned professional when I was 18, and I, I've been playing ever since I've been 18, and, and now I'm 75, so you can imagine how long, and all the years I've put into performing, but but that's paid off because I love what I do. Absolutely, and I mean, you must be proud at the moment that the music of the in-betweens uh, is being featured on uh, a brand new compilation album. And once upon a time in the West Midlands, it you know, looks at that brum rock era and all those great bands who uh, you were sort of emerging the same time as yourselves. Yes, they were. Yeah. Well, of course, we knew Robert Plant, we knew Jeff Lynne, we knew all these people, and there were lots of bands emerging as you said at the same time. Uh, though they were in different bands, of course, you know, uh, Robert Plant was in a band called Listen, and uh, and then Jeff Lynn was in another band. But we knew these people, we knew the early stages of Sabbath. We knew, see, a lot of these people, we either played in Birmingham or they were all around us, you know. And then, of course, we did do some recordings, in-betweens and things like that. The first album I think we made as the in-betweens was in London, um, and... Uh, I mean that was good. That was good. We, you know, we met somebody who would lead to somebody, and that's how we we really started to get our foothold in London. You know, by going down there to record. Mm -hmm. But some of those early tracks, are, you know, they're much loved by fans. And yeah, you know, it's music which which lives on. And you, know, you, you may be not performing that stuff live quite as often these days. But certainly, when you're you're producing the hits of Slade and bringing those on, I mean, the, the how many number ones was it? Because uh, there were just so many tracks that hit the top of the charts. Well, uh, I think we probably had thirty odd hits in total. But I think you also you've got to look at the fact that um, the number ones. I mean. In England alone, we had six number ones, right? That's how many we had. Mm -hmm. But we had a lot of number twos as well, and number threes. Um, in the rest of the world, we probably had more number ones. Sometimes that can happen. You know, say Denmark, I think we might have had about ten mm -hmm. number ones. It's different in different countries, you see. But the, most of the impact of the number ones in Britain affected the rest of the world. And... I think in Australia we were we had the top three in the charts, right? So we were number one with one of our songs, number two with another one of our songs, <laughs> and number three. 
another one of those. So it's a bit like the Beatles when they had one, two, and three right at the top of the charts. And we had an album called Slade Alive out in Australia, which sold more copies than Sergeant Pepper. So you can imagine how big we were. Well, yeah, and uh, you know, my dad's got a copy of, of Matchstalk uh, Men, and you know, there's there's all of these things, which I mean, in some cases are the vinyl will be hiding in people's collections. Uh, yet you are liberating this music and bringing it to life again once more on stage. Well, that's right. That's what that's what we're doing is bringing it to life to all the fans. I mean, last year, I don't know if you're aware, we had um, an album called Come and Feel the Hits. Did you know about that? I didn't see that. Uh, I, I wonder where my press release was on that, because that, that, that sounds like good fun. Well, it was, it was 40 tracks, mm-hmm. right? Uh, amazing value. And it got to number eight in the national chart. I'm surprised you didn't know about that. But, I managed um, to miss out that. I mean, this is the sort of thing, though, I mean, and it shows, again, the size of the fan base, that this music is being picked up, and it's being picked up by generation after generation as well, isn't it? Yeah, it is, because generation after generation is that they've either grown up in a house or where their parents have played the songs, but sometimes they just hear word of mouth. I mean, some people might check you out because of the Christmas song. Somebody might say, ready on... Oh, that Christmas song, and somebody might say, oh, you want to hear all the other number ones they did? And I mean, we had so many number ones, as you know. But having 30-odd hit singles, I mean, we, we could do a, a two-hour show, and we're still doing hit records, and I don't think there's many bands that can do that. There's not many bands that can start off with a couple of t- number ones like I can, and then move through the act, and they're still playing hit records. And I, th- I think at the end, it's the way in which you perform them as well, because I mean, you you have the quality, the performance there, and your backing lineup these days. Uh, obviously, these things have changed over the years. It happens to every band, but uh, you've still got that quality, which is what counts. Quality is what counts, and if you don't love what you do, you won't have the quality. But I happen to have love what I do. I never get tired of playing great records. Why should I? Because I'm part of the recording is part of me that's on it and I have great memories of how we made them. The thing about our records is that you don't ever tire of playing them. Great songs were great then and they're still great now. And when it comes down to the stage acts and outfits, I think have you calmed it down a little bit or will we still see a lot of bright colours out there? <laughs> I wouldn't say I calmed it down. I'd say that we were a very, very good act to watch. <laughs> We don't need fancy light shows. It's it's all to do with us performing. Um, I certainly, you don't stand still when you're playing slave songs on stage. You know, I've always moved around. Usually climbing some boxes or just standing high and tall somewhere. I've always moved around the stage. I've always sweated, like like a nightclub. It's full of people, you know, and it's just red hot. <laughs> I've always liked the adrenaline experience of sweating, playing. It takes you back to when you first started, you know, just exactly how it was. Although I do massive arenas now abroad, it doesn't matter where I play. It really doesn't, because it's all about people, whether it's a a club, sweaty club, or 16,000 people. Invariably, I play a lot of those shows abroad with other bands, massive crowds i still love the small clubs because you can see the people more so but the thing about our songs is that even if they can't see you from a distance 
they know what they're hearing and they join in and Slade is a hand clapping sing along band you know and that's how we started and that's what we wanted to do the clothes the image the hairstyles the glitter it was a very very special time the 70s you'll never see anything like it again because the need or the time has changed now in the way we receive music and the way other things have taken over us such as computers and things like that and iPhones and but years ago there was none of that so back in the 70s people bought records you either in, played sports or you bought records you know <laughs> the kind of thing I mean don't you yeah. you're either a sporty person or you bought records or you played football or something like that but in our case it was all about records and buying records you may not be able to afford them all the time but the vinyl and and that time I know the vinyls come back but vinyl was all 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 about us in the 70s and the 60s and people had huge albums which they could pin on the wall you know because you had a wicked great picture on it and a book sleeve on it mm-hmm. there was so much value in vinyl and I couldn't understand why it's become popular again you know although we don't have the record players that we used to have I'm sure they're better now <laughs> <laughs> you can get an awesome sound out of these things and we yeah, slide yeah, well you know the word stereo wasn't a word widely used at some of our first bits it came a bit later but that's what it was like it doesn't matter whether it's mono or stereo it's still a great song absolutely now you, you've been supported by sons of the 70s as well so it's keeping that vibe throughout the whole show yeah we well, like them they're good and we're keeping the vibe yeah we like the band you see so we chose that um now they're good it's it's nice to help people get seen as well we've always done that as a band you know uh, you know in the old days sometimes the people the record companies used to get bands to support us you know to get uh, visual and we went on tour one time we were top of the bill obviously and there was Susie Quattro on with us mm-hmm. thin lifted I wonder if you can imagine what it must have been like you know with that kind of lineup. I'm going to say Raucus Raucus is definitely going to be in there oh yeah well I think Susie was just getting well known, but working with us, you see, if you get on a, a package, you know, along with a, a main act, like we're, you know, a band one, two, and three, they, the exposure is brilliant, you see, and that's how you do it. So often, we often help other people become successful as well. And also, any new coming bands, I mean, in the old days, obviously, we used to play with a lot of bands who made it anyway in different configurations because people left bands, joined another band, and you go, oh, weren't you in so-and-so? Oh, yeah, but I joined this, you know. It's it's like Robert Plant, you know. He was in one band, and the next thing, next thing he was in the New York Birds and ended up a Zeppelin. But we knew them all mm-hmm. because the area where we live in the Midlands promoted a lot of live music and the black country music is very strong. In the black country meaning of the music is the factories and the sort and you know the smoke we had in the Midlands. And I think a lot of gr- those great songs came out of that environment. 
Well, I mean, it's a, it's a time where music was sort of growing. It was the era of the supergroup, as you say, people moving between bands, but they were even, you know, combined together to produce even more uh, amazing hits. Your work, again, stands out like no other. Slade are adored across the globe, and uh, I know that these gigs are going to be yeah, just absolute go-to events. Saturday the 18th of December is the closest one. That is at the Birmingham Asylum. You are playing all over the UK and beyond. Absolutely. Full details of the whole tour at slade.uk.com. You can be found on Facebook as well as official Slade Band. Yeah. And uh, you know, th- that must be fun doing the socials because you must get great interaction with your audience there. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, travelling up and down the country with Cardiff, Reading, London, Norwich, Leeds, Birmingham, Manchester, Holmfirth, Bury St. Edmunds, Newcastle upon Tyne, Academy. Those are all the gigs that. That, that should be great fun on this tour because that's what we're doing, you know. Plus, also, you know, I'm, I'm doing this glam book about my clothes, you know, because uh, there's a great interest in me making a, a special book of all my clothes. And they got old of the designers that designed my clothes because <laughs> they used to live in Bilston. That's amazing, isn't it? That, and I've been approached to do this book, and I've always wanted to do something about the clothes because that's also extremely special. Because a lot of things is about, it's not just the, the great records you made, it's all, also about, you know, selling them, mm-hmm. actually having the front to, you know, you, you can sometimes promote something. You can go on top of the pops, but if you don't look right, Sometimes a record can drop, but if you look great and you go on with a great song, well, you've got such a chance of making a big hit record, and and that's what I believed in, you know, you know, write them and sell them, and that's what Slade are all about. Having a history of great songs, having a history of a look, having something worldwide that's remembered is very, very important in the life of this band, and it's a very special time. People often say to me, wasn't it great growing up in the 70s? And I really appreciate that comment because it was a great time. But it was also colour. You know, it was colour television came into being, mm-hmm. which means everything you wore coloured was not in black and white anymore. So you suddenly exploded on the screen. That all helped my clothes because people were going, wow, that looks great, doesn't it? You know, And, of course, Top of the Pops was the most important show you've got radio one and top of the pops are the most important two things to have in our country well the important thing now is we go along and see you as i say birmingham asylum 18th of december tickets via yeah. ticket tech and you can have an awesome time and amazing gig dave it's always a pleasure to speak to you i'm so looking forward to trying to get along to that show as well and uh, i'm hoping we're going to see uh, an absolutely brilliant night with all the fans coming together to listen to some truly awesome well, music jason it's lovely talking to you mate you know um and hopefully i will see you i mean let's look forward to a better future i hope we have a better christmas obviously better days ahead you know well i'm start to travel abroad again and go to all the, f- the countries which love us so much you know and mm-hmm. i miss the bands we work with you know sweet and all them are out 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 there as well you know and we all link up together and and and, and just because it's all about the music everything's yep. about the music and the look and as i say i've done the solo album now i've got three albums uh, at home I've written so I've got that I'm working on so to keep keep things cooking and eventually uh, I shall, that'll lead to other things I hope for me but for now 
it's all about Slade and what I love and passionate about. And we love you for it too. Dave Hill, thanks for joining us. Thank you, Jason. Two-fifths of people are losing at least two hours a night's sleep due to loud noises. That's over 700 hours a year. I could do with that amount of sleep now, I think. So that's what I'm joined now by Dr. Ellie Cannon, GP, author and broadcaster and UK manager for MuteSnoring.com. Steve Smith, good afternoon to you both. Good afternoon. Hi there. So first of all, Ellie, tell us a, a bit about uh, the, what damage that sort of lack of sleep can do to us. Well, I think we all know how we feel after we've lost one night's sleep. We know it makes us feel irritated and tired and even a bit nauseous sometimes mm-hmm. if you haven't had a good night's sleep. And then if that's built up over time and you're losing night after night, um, then it actually goes on to affect um, our mental health. Of course it does. It affects our mood. We know that insomnia is associated with um poor mental health but also our physical health lack of sleep can be associated with long-term physical health problems like high blood pressure so it is really important that we we sort out our sleep but with sleep itself it's something which is becoming more of a problem as people are getting older as well i know the kids don't sleep at all that's pretty much standard but then we go through a nice little time in the midst of our lives when we might be sleeping well Uh, but as people become more senior in years they then start to lose sleep for various reasons that's right yeah 60 percent of people feel their quality of sleep worsens as they as they age Um, And that came from the research from Mute. Um, And that is something that people find. Um, So women often find that they don't sleep as well when they're menopausal or after the menopause. Um, As people age, they they do um, have less sleep. Your ability to sort of have a lie-in does seem to decrease. And um, people are very sensitive to noises, whether that's noises outside of the house, in the house, um, or from your partner lying next to you snoring, which or, also worsens. Or even yourself snoring, that could also be an issue. It can, yes. yeah. People wake themselves up um, snoring. Um, 10% of people do mm. that, yeah, absolutely. So, Stephen, how can you help? Because you look like a man who has some answers. <laughs> well, I've been with the company five years, and over that time, Jason, you know, I've met lots of people, um, you know, through friends, families, or, or trade events or shows. And when you ask the question, "Are you a snorer?" or "Do you know a snorer?" I'm 99% of the time, that somebody has a story. You know, my dad or my gran or my partner. Oh, I wish my wife would, you know, turn over. So, you know, we're all human. It happens, and. The answer we provide is in the form of mute. It's a a nasal dilator that goes into the nose um, and actually allows the user to to breathe more through the nose, snore less and sleep better. It's all about breathing through the nose, snoring less and sleeping better. And, you know, we've been in the UK for five years. Uh, We're we're a, a respiratory company with a lot of credibility and we're stocked in boots, high street pharmacies, Amazon. So it's it's there for people to. Uh, to obtain and if you want more information mutesnoring.com can help as well yeah, and, and with a product like this uh, it is allowing you to get a better airflow in uh, which means you'll get more carbon dioxide out and you will feel a lot better with the amount of sleep you do get even if you are disrupted by the kids in the other room well exactly i mean 
you know, snoring is one thing, but breathing better through the nose as well definitely enables you to get a better night's sleep. I mean, many of us will know, you know, you turn the light off, turn over, start to sleep and you think, gosh, my nose is blocked. You know, do I turn the light back on and blow my nose? Or do... So the nose is key to getting um, uh, a better night's sleep in that respect, no doubt at all. And uh, Ellie, when it comes to uh, you know, the, the the problems caused, I mean, there's mention of the fact that things like diabetes can be worsened by this. Yes, that's right. I mean, um, you know, obviously type 2 diabetes is associated with weight. We know that snoring is worse for people um, who do carry more weight. So that, that can be an association. But actually, when you look at data, um, people who don't sleep as well, um, their long-term chronic health conditions like high blood pressure, like type 2 diabetes, tend to be less well-managed. Now, that may be somebody's not sleeping very well, they're not therefore looking after themselves very well in the daytime. Well, there could be you know, a number of factors relating to that, but there certainly is that association. And 700 hours a year, which you talked about at the start, I mean, that is an awful lot of sleep to lose. And uh, it, it, it must be uh, yeah, quite a relief if you do start to, to get back into a good sleeping pattern. Yes, I think that's right. I mean, it's it's a huge amount, isn't it? Two fifths of people lose at least two hours of sleep a night. Um, and I mean, that's just exhausting, really. And mm -hmm. um, absolutely, people feel very, very different mentally and physically once they start to sleep properly. And Stephen, have you calculated how many sheep that could be counted during that time? <laughs> I haven't actually, but I'll, I'll work on that and come back to you. But um, <laughs> the, the, the other fact, I mean, talking about, you know, losing sleep you're often laying there as well and and often listening to your partner you know the the survey said that 25 percent of us uh and and that was the biggest on the list it was snoring that was keeping them awake followed by wind and rain etc but um one of the other factors in all of this is relationships because it's not easy to talk to your partner sometimes about the fact that he or she is you know um, snoring so loudly um and you know we encourage people to to make a start with that and something, uh, there are things out there that can help. I mean, obviously, Ellie's mentioned uh, uh, lifestyle changes, and they are key, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but other things um, like, uh, like the mute that we offer can, can also bring gentle relief as well. So do try and discuss it. We know that 50% of people don't, from our survey don't want to, to, to confront their partner. But, you know, if you can, it could save your relationship. Oh, Christmas is on the way. It could be a special gift. And uh, Rhino Med, the company behind it, are also looking at other yeah, advantages to this system as well, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, we, uh, as a, we're an Australian company, uh, leaders in nasal respiratory technology. We also produce a product for sports performance called Turbine. And, and also, long term, we're looking at medication through the nose. So, for example, um, mental, mental tips, uh, devices that might aid cold recovery and things like that. So, we, we do look into those things and we, we hope and plan to bring those things to the market. I suppose there's a mucous membrane there, so it's a route into the body. Exactly, exactly. I mean, um, you said it, and we, don't, we often think of our nose mainly as something that's used for smell, and it's primarily two things. It's to gain your sense of smell, but it's also a filter to bring in oxygen, and it's, uh, uh, it's the way we should breathe. And at night, we should be breathing through our nose, both in and out, and keeping our mouth closed. 
yeah, otherwise your tongue dries out and we don't even want to go there. Because I've having <laughs> I'm fallen asleep on a plane with my mouth open at a funny angle. I know that that is not pleasant. Well, Let's make we, sure we are nose breathing at night. Well, exactly. I mean, a lot of people have said they will avoid public transport for fear of nodding off and, and snoring next to their partner who they don't know. So, yeah, it's a, <laughs> it's a worry. Yeah. So once again, where can we go for more information? So start with MuteSnoring.com. Um, and then uh, in the UK, we sell the product via Boots, Boots.com, Amazon and any good high street pharmacy. And Ellie, where can we find you? Because you're all over the socials, aren't you? I am, yes. Come and find me on Twitter, where I'm normally talking about all sorts of things, from baking to COVID. Dr mm. underscore Ellie on Twitter. Okay, if, if, you, if you do make a, a shape in the uh, a cake in the shape of the COVID uh, virus, then that, that may put people off. But uh, other than that, I think food and health, they'll do link together quite nicely. And, and baking <laughs> is part of a, a, a good balanced diet. That's the way we like it. Uh, yeah. For now, Dr. Eddie Cannon and also Steve Smith, thank you both for joining us. Pleasure. Thanks, Jason. Thank you. That's a lot for this week. Thank you so much for joining me back with episode 645 next week. I'll see you then.